the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. As a constitutional law attorney, former senior legal advisor and personal counsel to President Donald J. Trump, Jenna Ellis believes in the rule of law and the importance of integrity in our elections. And she's ready to tackle the big cultural and legal issues facing America. This is The Jenna Ellis Show. Here is your host, Jenna Ellis. Happy Thursday, friends. Another episode of The Jenna Ellis Show. What a week this has been. And today we have to talk about this explosive report from Project Veritas. Our good friends, James O'Keefe and his group over at Project Veritas is epically amazing, the kind of stuff that they are getting from whistleblowers, from people coming forward and are actually providing um, in terms of, of just all of these stories that they are actually doing investigative journalism and the headline right in the midst of all of the PR nightmare for CNN surrounding uh, this producer that was uh, recently alleged to have uh, – you know, committed a lot of really disgusting, uh, perverted pedophile acts. Now the headline just last night is breaking source provided video and texts that show CNN producer fantasizing about sex acts with fiance's young daughter. The producer in question also solicited explicit photos of the source's underage daughter. So I'm going to play this uh, little over two minute clip from James O'Keefe, Project Veritas, who's actually talking to this whistleblower. And I have to say, um, and preface this by saying this is um, slightly graphic content. So if you are listening to this show and you don't want, you know, your kids to hear this, um, definitely, you know, hit pause right now before we we play this because it is graphic. But for the people who are listening to this, this is the kind of stuff that absolutely needs to be uncovered, especially because CNN right now is not taking any sort of responsibility at all for their uh, producers in terms of any of this potentially happening on the job. I mean, are, were these text messages sent uh, while people were working? I mean, what what exactly is going on at CNN? So we need to play this clip and I, I'm going to give you a little bit of time then as well and talk first about legacy precious metals because the Biden administration has caused a financial crisis and they have no clue how to fix it. You know that our, our economy is in trouble and you need to take steps to protect yourself. If your money is all tied up in stocks, bonds, and traditional markets, you are vulnerable. So gold is one of the best way to protect your retirement. And no matter what happens, you own your own gold. It's real, it's physical, and it's always been valuable since the dawn of time. Legacy precious metals is the company I trust for investing in gold and they can help you with your retirement with a personal uh, guidance counselor that can help you understand how to invest based on your own personal circumstances. So call Legacy today at 866-528-1903. 
or visit them online at LegacyPMInvestments.com. That's 866-528-1903, or visit them online at LegacyPMInvestments.com. All right, we are ready for this video. It's gotten almost a million views at the time uh, we are recording this podcast, and so this is what Project Veritas posted just last night. Coming on the heels of last week's arrest of CNN producer John Griffin on multiple counts of trying to elicit unlawful sexual activity with minors, the subject of our story is another CNN producer who had an ongoing relationship with our source for over a decade. My name is Jeanine Bonani, and I'm currently a case manager for human trafficking victims, as well as domestic violence and sexual assault. That's his fiance's child. Uh, he sent me a photo of uh, his daughter. It was not pornographic. And as you were getting these text messages, what was going through your, your mind? I feel disgusting. Mm -hmm. I feel dirty. And I, I reply, it, you know, it's, it's your girl's kid, like your girlfriend's kid. Usually every time we text, it's always about him wanting to see me and his stepdaughter together. But I do have a recording of him on the phone. Here, I'm done having my mouth on her. I'm going to walk up and put my hands very close to his face. Slowly unzip my zipper and just guide her head a little closer. And I'm just going to have her kiss the head and I'm going to put her hand around it so she can feel what that hard flesh feels like. And that was just my way to, you know, get him face to face so I can actually have proof of words coming out of his mouth. He sent me a text saying, I love, I love that she is getting hot. Uh, I want to taste how wet she makes you. And he's talking about who? His stepdaughter, who's 14 years old. Even about my daughter, he, he's asked for things and it has infuriated Your me. daughter? My daughter. How old's your daughter? 15. We're looking at a text message. Could you tell us what this means? He said, so I'm not getting mother-daughter nudes uh, for, for this help. And when he says this help, he sent me money. He thinks, because you sent me money, you're going to get a nude photo of me and my daughter. Are you insane? I do not want this girl to be a victim. I'm not a journalist. I'm not a detective. These people with power seem to get away with things. Okay, so I warned you this was explicit. It's absolutely disgusting. And you have the voice of the CNN producer. Uh, and if you want to see the actual photos of the text messages, you can go to the link that's uh, in this story in the podcast that uh, goes to the tweet that was posted by Project Veritas. Uh, follow at Eric Sprackelin. It's E R I C. S-P-R-A-C-K-L-E-N, Spracklin. Uh, he works for Project Veritas, and he's one that pushes out a lot of their new content because Twitter has, uh, of course, censored and suspended both James O'Keefe and Project Veritas's uh, accounts. And that was in the midst of all of uh, the COVID videos that were showing uh, some of the Pfizer whistleblowers and also some of the undercover videos, which is interesting, right? Because now that Twitter has uh, come up with these, all of these new rules, you would think that actually the CDC's own Twitter account would be suspended based on, you know, all of this uh, misinformation that apparently uh, the vaccine can't spread to people. I mean, this is just so insanely absurd. But getting back to the video here, this is 
what happens, folks, when we completely abandon the Christian worldview of human sexuality and when we abandon any of the bright line margins of moral authority over human sexuality, that marriage is between one man and one woman and it's sacred and that sex is inextricably linked to procreation. And I'm not saying, you know, that you can only have sex for the purpose of procreation. I know that that's what some Catholics believe. I'm not one of those who thinks that that's actually a biblical mandate. Of course, sex is part of intimacy between a couple, yes. But when you remove any guardrails and you just say that sex is the for the purpose merely of pleasure, and when you start redefining biological humanity, like a man can become a woman, a woman can become a man, then you lose all guardrails and morality when it comes to sex just for pleasure. And so for our culture, that is now all of these TikTok videos, if you're on Twitter and you follow this account, um, Libs of TikTok, it's disgusting and it's perverted and it's crazy, but you need to be aware of what's going on in the culture and the lies that these people are telling. This account uh, has has gone viral because of the videos that it discloses where people are actually coming openly on TikTok. And there was a professor at a university that actually was advocating that minor attracted persons or maps, right, as they're trying to to coin this, which just means pedophiles, that that is a valid sexual orientation. And that's where this whole line of human sexuality and going outside the margins of biblical truth is headed. And we've seen this. And I have gotten completely slammed, um, and I don't care, uh, but I have gotten completely slammed over the last um this has been about six years ago since my book came out, which is called The Legal Basis for a Moral Constitution. And I talked about the trend of uh, cases that the Supreme Court has talked about on the progressive issues and on the sexual issues, starting with contraception um, in the Griswold versus Connecticut case in 1965, and how that line of precedent has continued to expand what our society has deemed acceptable and celebrating and morally condoning outside the margins of anything rational, anything biologically uh, sound, and how the Supreme Court has basically given a moral designation to all types of behavior that is frankly perverted. And so when you look at how the trend of culture is going. When we have these types of videos, like the Project Veritas video, and you have now two producers at CNN, and do we really think that that's, these are the only two people that work in media that have you know this type of grotesque behavior? Of course not. They're just the two that have gotten caught, right? We look at everybody who was on Epstein's manifest. We look at all of the the cultural advocacy from the left that is saying, be who you want to be. This is where this is going, is to eventually say that pedophilia and being attracted to minors 
is a morally acceptable sexual orientation. And the leftists will slam me for saying that opening up human sexuality to all types of sexual orientations and condoning all of that, including, you know, homosexuality, including bestiality, including, you know, having um, thruples, all of these other things. I'm not saying that those are equivalent. They're definitely different types of deviant behavior, but they are deviant. And once we as a society, and especially, especially as the church, do that moral gerrymandering where we're drawing the lines around sin and deviancy, where does it stop? Because if you draw a moral line arbitrarily, there is no moral grounding and justification to ever have the moral line be fixed where you redrew it. It will continue to move and not in a good direction. And so there are people on the left who are listening to this video and are saying, well, what's the problem? So this guy is attracted to minors. So what? That's, that's his urges. You know, that's, that's fine. And there are people who are actually condoning that minor attracted persons should be this whole subcategory and group of a sexual orientation that's legitimized. And that's the danger of having a Supreme Court and a legal precedent that is outside the bounds of basic self-evident moral truth. Because once we allow those lines to be redrawn, then they just keep expanding. And that's what we have seen since 1965. We have seen the legacy of the Supreme Court just open up all kinds of sexual perversion. And this is how we get to abortion on demand. This is how we get to uh, legalizing same-sex marriage and having the audacity to think that we as humans have any authority to redefine an institution that God himself created. Now, if the government, and I've said this a lot, if the government wants to give social benefits like the right of survivorship or, you know, tax breaks or something to two people who simply want to say, you know, hey, we decided we're, we're going to live together as roommates, as, you know, whatever, and we want to have a civil union, that is a very different contemplation than saying and designating and legitimizing two same-sex persons as married. You can't ever give up that definition because that is not something that is within our human authority. And we've talked a lot about on the show about the created order and how the original sin of man was wanting to be God or like God and step into a higher or other authority than what God has actually given to men, to women, to human beings in general. And even within the context of human sexuality, we are as a nation trying to step into a moral authority that we don't have. And I will stand up loudly and proclaim that we cannot redraw these lines of moral truth and marriage is between one man and one woman, 
and that pedophilia is morally reprehensible, it's vile, it's deviant behavior, that no two same-sex persons cannot be married because I don't have the authority to say otherwise. I am simply advocating for and reflecting self-evident truth and the truth of what God himself has designated. This isn't my opinion. This is something that we see from the reality to which we are presented, the biological truth of a man versus woman. And we're seeing how, you know, the medical industry is trying to pervert the authority of God by using, there was an article the other day I was reading where this guy, you know, biological male divorces another guy and is now affianced to another guy, but somehow all three of them are in this custodial relationship and adopted one of the guy's biological child with a surrogate. Right. I mean, this is just such sexual perversion. And we are trying to recreate reality in our own image and how we prefer it instead of how God has ordained it. And when it comes to human sexuality, the goal is not mere pleasure. There's nothing wrong with pleasure, but it is not mere pleasure. The goal of human sexuality is to reflect the divine reality of why God created us to begin with. We are meant for relationships, but we are meant to have them within the confines of rational, moral truth. And so when you see stories like this, it's gross, it's disgusting, and it should be talked about because this kind of thing happens all the time. But the greater story here is how much our culture is advocating for stuff like this. And then when this guy goes ahead and says, well, you know what? I can have whatever sexual orientation I want and I can be, I can be proud about it. And I can talk to, you know, my friends about all of my sexual fantasies and it's totally fine. Then when the law comes and says, no, actually, (laughs) uh, pedophilia is still against the law. Then that's a conflict between what the culture is driving And what the progressive left is driving to just tolerate anything versus what society still, at least thankfully, still recognizes is absolutely what the law calls mala inse or wrong in and of itself. It's not just uh, mala prohibitum, which is that society has just said, you know, you can't do that because of our particular social mores or, you know, the speeding limit because of safety reasons or something. No, this is something that is wrong in and of itself, and therefore society punishes it. It's the same thing as murder. It's the same thing as rape. It's the same as, you know, any of these crimes that are wrong morally in and of themselves. And we as human beings do not have the authority to redesignate anything regarding human sexuality and redefine something that is inherently immoral and designate it okay just because we want to redraw those moral lines. And that's where we need to stand up as Christians, as conservatives. And not give an inch and not say, this is why I've come out against the pride coalition of the RNC. You know, this is why I have continued to stand firm that marriage is between a man and a woman. Because, again, I don't have the authority. You don't have the authority. Congress doesn't have the authority. The Supreme Court doesn't have the authority. No human institution 
has the authority to redefine human sexuality or anything that that subject matter covers separate and apart for what God himself has ordained already in scripture. And we know that from a plain reading of scripture. We also see that evidenced in the truth of biological reality and to the reality that God has presented us. And I guarantee you, if we continue down this road, we are going to see more stories like this come out. And, you know, pedophilia has existed since, you know, original sin, right? Um, and this is nothing new. But I guarantee you that more stories like this will happen as our culture continues to go down this road of depravity and continues to expand that moral line to cover more and more and more sexual devi deviancy. And if we allow that moral line to be drawn and give the legitimacy or the auspices of legitimacy from our government institutions, that line is going to eventually be around and try to, within this big tent, conservatism, right, and I put that in air quotes, is going to try to cover pedophilia. That's where it's going. I mean, pretty soon, it may be a year from now, it may be 10 years from now, but soon you will see an RNC minor attracted persons coalition. Because the RNC used to say they were for traditional marriage. The Democrats even used to say that because it was so ingrained in our moral awareness and compass as a country. But as we have gone further and further down the drain and further and further into depravity, we are slowly moving that line. And when the day comes that we are drawing the moral arbitrary line around and including minor attracted persons, that is going to be a dark, dark, dark day. We have to continue to stand up for truth, even if it's unpopular, even if people you know, say, oh, this is hate speech, whatever. I don't care. This is truth. And we have to continue to stand. And not just because it's my opinion or we hate these people. I feel awful for these people. They need the Lord. They need to repent. Everybody needs to repent for sinful behavior. And we all sin in different ways. But when people are living a lifestyle of sexual deviancy, this only leads to terrible consequences in their own life and for eternity. And so the greater lesson here in this story is that we have to continue to promote the truth and we have to look at this story in the greater context of what the left is trying to advocate for. Because the moment that the Obergefell versus Hodges decision in, in 2015, the same-sex marriage decision, when <clears throat> the Supreme Court purported to legitimize same-sex marriage, which is an oxymoron. It's like saying a meat-eating vegan. It's just not possible because two same-sex people cannot be married as God himself has defined that term and outside the church. When that happened, it was not because same-sex couples were discriminated against, couldn't have, you know, civil unions, you know, any of that. The reason that the left pushed so hard at the time is they wanted the moral legitimacy of civil society. And that matters and that's meaningful. And America and our governors, you know, by, by that I mean at large, the, the people who govern us, will be held accountable for what we say in our law and what authority we think we have. 
That's why we have a constitution that recognizes self-evident truth, that recognizes in our mandate of the Declaration of Independence that our rights come from God, our creator, and the sole purpose of government is to preserve and protect those rights. And yes, equality is a principle, but that does not mean that every single person has the same opportunity to participate in an institution ordained by God that they don't qualify for. I mean, I'm a woman. I don't qualify to be a pastor, period. And the Bible is very clear about that. There are some women, and some some of them are very good friends of mine, um, but they are usurping their authority in the church by calling themselves pastors. And the same thing goes for civil society when our institutions are usurping God-given authority and limited powers of government. One of the reasons, it wasn't you know just to say that this is against petty tyranny. Uh, that's a huge reason, absolutely, that our founders limited the powers of government, separated powers. But part of the fundamental first principles of a limited government is also recognizing that we can't legislate on issues that we as human beings simply do not have control over. The seminal example I always use is if Congress or a state legislator would try to say, you know what, we're going to repeal the law of gravity or we're going to legislate, you know, how the sun uh, or how the earth revolves around the sun or how, you know, how many hours the sun is out today. I mean, we would laugh at that because humans simply do not have the power or enforcement authority. Yeah, I mean, sure, we could pass a resolution and declare it. Good job. But we have no enforcement authority. We do not have the power to enforce laws that we create that are antithetical to biblical principles of human sexuality. So when stories like this come out, we have to put it in the greater context of cultural perversion and make sure that we are still advocating for legitimacy, true, genuine, moral legitimacy in our law. And joining me now with Project Veritas is Mario Balaban, who is the media relations director for Project Veritas. And uh, Mario, this is just a a completely shocking story. So uh, talk to me about the background of how uh, this this individual came to Project Veritas and uh, any more information beyond just, you know, this this completely wildly disgusting story. Yeah, absolutely. Jenna, thank you for having me. So um, we, as usual at Project Veritas, we have our undercover journalists, but we also have people in most recent years that are coming to us from within or have access to information that our journalists simply cannot have. This person, Janine, uh, you know, is from New Jersey. She, she came to us because she had been in contact with uh, this individual from CNN, and was, this person was sending them, as you saw and you heard, very disturbing messages about his fantasies with this whistleblower and the underage daughter of his soon-to-be fiancée who lived under the same roof. And beyond that, you saw as well him also asking, soliciting images of the whistleblower's daughter who was also underage. So there was a clear pattern here. It was a consistent pattern of things. Um, you know, at this time, we don't know that this individual acted upon the the urges that he was manifesting via text and, and, and audio, but it was our duty, you know, having this information to preempt any potential harm 
that could come to children as a result of that. Absolutely. And I think uh, that's the natural reaction of any rational, uh, reasonable, responsible adult uh, who is looking at this story. And um, so the authorities were contacted. And what's the status of that, if you know? So we know that uh, the authorities are are aware of this. Um, I, at this time, do not know what action will be taken. Uh, You know, from my understanding, the law enforcement is doing a very serious job on this. Uh, Again, on our end, we weren't able to evaluate the degree of if a crime exists or not at this time. So, uh, you know, I would imagine, you know, I can't speak for sure, but I would imagine that law enforcement would be looking at, you know, what actions have have resulted from this. And given, you know, the the amount of publicity and, you know, virality online of these shocking and horrifying, you know, materials, you know, I'm sure that, you know, law enforcement will have to take an even stronger look yeah, but there is an investigation, at least. There, 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 there's definitely a, an, there must be an open case file given you know the reports that right. have been sent to the to the police. Yeah. Okay, and um and and so definitely keep keep everyone posted on that uh, because I think everyone is is wanting to uh, see justice occur in in these cases. And this seems like um, to borrow a phrase from the left that you know everything is systemically something these days. But this seems like a systemic problem within CNN. Uh, what what is going on? Right. No, I mean, it's I can't I can't exp- I don't know if anyone outside or even within CNN honestly can explain. I don't know to what degree CNN knew of not only this individual we exposed, but the individual who was exposed a few days ago uh, who actually engaged in illegal activity and was arrested for it. I believe his name is uh, Andy Griffin, if I'm not if I'm not mistaken, it might be uh, something like that. So, you know, clearly it's, you know, it's, it is coincidence that both of these, you know, cases happened just so recently, you know, just at the same time, but both are individuals from CNN, uh, similar, uh, you know, desires or activities in, in a sense. So, you know, it's, it, there has to be some sort of, I hope maybe, I don't know if it's, the word is introspection or an investigation even inside, you know, an internal investigation within CNN uh, corporate to see what is going on, if there's any connections there or what is ha- really happening. Yeah. And so um, so this this woman that came to you, is she an employee of CNN as well or was she just a friend? No, she was an acquaintance of this individual. Uh, she's known him for a long time. So it, it appears that uh, because of how long they've known each other, even though they have never they've never really saw each other frequently, they saw each other a few times only. Um, th- this individual felt, you know, comfortable sharing these desires with the, with the whistleblower. Okay, so, so the whistleblower wasn't a colleague at CNN. No. The okay, well, was. that's at least maybe hopeful that um, that at least this isn't, you know, some kind of uh, grotesque coworker activity. But, right. um, you know, but, but looking at this and how the publicity is now for CNN to have two kind of back-to-back instances that both involve the same uh, type of alleged offenses against, uh, you know, the, these two individuals that work at CNN. Um, I find it really interesting. I covered this a couple days on the program, uh, a couple days ago on the show. Um, I find it really interesting that somebody like Chris Wallace would want to go to CNN at this point and actually attach his name not only to a pretty much failed network that nobody watches anymore, but uh, a network that now has all of this that is going on that's that's 
just not good publicity. No, I, I, you know, it is, you know, I, I'm not, I, I can't say I'm surprised that Chris Wallace is going there. It seems that it might be a better fit for his, uh, his style of what you, what he interprets as his journalism. Uh, so, you know, it, it is, it is certainly a place where, you know, and, and to your point, there wasn't only, it wasn't only these two individuals recently, uh, they're more connected with the underage girls, but they also have the recent scandal of the Cuomo brothers. Obviously, that doesn't involve, to our knowledge, any underage girls, obviously. But you but know, it does involve lying and cover-ups and a bunch of, right. you know, other really bad behavior. Right, exactly. So, you know, there, it's, it's even more, uh, you know, systemic, I guess is the word, than just these last two. These are just in the last week. And then you have the overarching uh, mega scandal of the Cuomo brothers, uh, you know, within CNN. Yeah. So, um, so this is just a, again, a really disgusting story and, you know, something where, um, I think a lot of people were shocked to read this because even though we know this type of behavior happens and unfortunately, um, you know, it does, it does happen. It does get charged. Hopefully, uh, perpetrators are brought to justice when it's somebody who is, um, that, high level in the sense of working for a nationally known network Mm -hmm. and is working and operating with people that um, are supposed to be trustworthy. Um, You know, when you have places and outlets like you know, like CNN and, and I think it was Don Lemon who even has, has called project Veritas, like not even journalists. Um, and it, and it could be somebody else at CNN, but I seem to recall Don Lemon saying that. And, um, and you have, you know, other people who are trying to say that project Veritas and James O'Keefe aren't even journalists. And then you have, you know, this type of behavior from a news network that thinks it's the beacon of truth and honesty. I mean, this is where I think there's a fundamental clash Mario in, in reality and in perception. And so, you know, what do you think is going on in the in the bigger scope of of journalism when you have um, what should be the trusted news networks that have these types of individuals? And then they're trying to say and the left is trying to say that Project Veritas isn't even a journalistic outlet. So, no, and this is where I tend to agree a lot with James. Obviously, I tend to agree with him frequently on a lot of things, but especially on this issue, uh, the answer I think here is that these outlets, like the New York Times and CNN and Washington Post, they like to project onto us what they themselves are and what they themselves hate. You know, this, the you know the typical uh, smears that they might call us far right uh, activists, spies. You know, we do not nothing of that. We we you know we receive source information, we evaluate, we corroborate, we decide if we publish it or not. We've done that since I've been here for over two years, and it's always been this way. Uh, we do undercover journalism, which was common uh, many years ago. Uh, 60 Minutes did it. Uh, all sorts of massive uh, major news networks in the past did it. So there's nothing unconventional or un, you know, that, that you can say, oh, well, you do that type of journalism, therefore you're not journalists. We actually just revived a genre of journalism that just wasn't being done anymore. And as we all know, like actual people reporting <laughs> and, yeah. and people and people and people know that you're more honest when you think that no one's watching than you know, than when you when you're around, you know, giving a speech to the public. And I'm not speaking about you, obviously, Jen. I'm speaking about uh, people, human beings, right? Human beings, obviously, are going to be more co- comfortable seeing things, especially if they're doing corrupt things and lying and manipulating and deceiving people. 
they're much gonna, they're going to say that stuff very privately to people that they think they can they can say that to. They won't say that publicly. So our jobs are, as undercover journalists and obtaining uh, source information and that you know leaked documents from you know powerful institutions. That that's the only way you can bring tra true transparency. You can't just go around interviewing people face to, and, and expect that they're going to give you you know the, the the corruption right. That that's public. That's what we call public relations. Project Veritas mm -hmm. doesn't do public relations. Unfortunately, it, it seems that much of these major news networks are engaged in that, especially when they're defending big tech companies that we've exposed and other institutions. But we at Project Veritas do actually engage in journalism. Yeah, and that's a great way to put it is that it's just public relations. And you see that with uh, CNN's interview, you know, very famously with the Cuomo brothers, where, you know, Chris Cuomo brought on Andrew Cuomo to try to rehabilitate um, a little bit, you know, his um, his image amid the nursing home uh, situation and try to almost laugh off, um, you know, any of the, the speculation there and to give good press. And it was public relations. And you see that even on, um, you know, on the on the right and outlets like Fox News that will bring on people just to uh, give their particular talking points. And it's not necessarily um, you know, that everyone who goes on these these news networks is just has um, is outright lying. Not at all. But it is geared to give a particular uh, public relations image for their particular office, especially if it's government officials, uh, if it's, you know, somebody who has a vested interest in their own public brand. And so public relations is a great is a great way to frame that for people who are kind of looking at the difference between. Uh, journalism versus public relations. And then, of course, there's opinion and there's analysis. Right. And that's what, you know, hopefully alternative media is trying to do, like, you know, podcasts and, um, you know, like the analysis that we try to do on this show is, mm -hmm. is to take some of the facts, like what Project Veritas is giving, and to put them in a greater uh, perspective and to talk about that and to give people a framework that there is actual truth. And one of the things I love, Mario, about the name uh, Project Veritas is that, you know, Veritas means truth and you're trying to get to the truth. And that's another concept that has been so largely lost, um, I think, between the partisan politicking and the public relations is that this isn't just about perspective. It's about ultimately fact finding and that there is truth to discover self-evident truth like our founders uh, talked about. And so for people who are uh, even interested in supporting Project Veritas, um, they may have you know, tips. How can people uh, reach you and uh, be part of the greater mission to get to the truth? Absolutely. So our, our website's projectveritas.com. There you'll be able to find you know, options to donate to us. We are a nonprofit organization, so we can donate to us. But you know, we also uh, encourage people to you know whistleblowers inside corrupt institutions, either government or private, uh, big tech, mainstream media, any of those organizations. You can send us an email to veritastips at protonmail.com. Uh, our website also has uh, phone numbers. If you have Telegram, Signal, we have a whole range of ways that we evaluate uh, information. You can also DM us directly on all our social media accounts, Instagram and Facebook. We are very active, and we want to engage with the, with, you know, the general public. So, you know, if it's by donating or if it's by sending us information and contributing to our mission, uh, we welcome everything, and uh, we appreciate everything the American people have done for us to this day. 
Awesome. Well, Mario Balaban, thank you so much for joining me today and really appreciate all the great work that you and Project Veritas do. And, uh, you know, you guys always send me stuff to push out on all the social media platforms and always happy to do that um, to support you guys and to support your work. So thank you again for everything that you do. Thank you, Jenna. It was a pleasure. Thanks. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.